Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello again, friends. Welcome to Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips joined by Chris Clark for a preview of tomorrow's South Carolina-East Carolina game, the home opener for 2016 Gamecock football and the first home game of the Will Muschamp era. Chris, welcome in. Thanks for having me, Emerson. All right, so we're expecting a rowdy crowd tomorrow, Chris. The 4 o'clock kickoff is ideal for fans, You know, people able to get to the stadium with ease and get home by a reasonable hour. That's been a, a talking point this week on Gamecock Central Radio. I think the 4 o'clock kick is ideal, and the Gamecocks need a win. Chris, coming off a loss to Mississippi State last week where the Gamecocks were physically dominated in the first half. A lot of questions. Who's going to start at quarterback? Muschamp did not answer that question this week during his press conference. No, he didn't, and I, and I think that's going to be maybe for a while the way it plays out, but I think it really depends on how it goes this weekend, to be honest. I think the expectation that I'm carrying into this game, and probably many others, is I think Brandon McElwain's going to start. Now, is there concrete information for that? Not not right now. Um, but I think that's certainly the way it's been looking. McElwain gave USC a spark each of the first two games. Now, it was Perry Orth that came in against Vanderbilt and helped lead the comeback. Um, it wasn't all McElwain's fault that, that the Gamecocks didn't put points on the board against Vandy. He did have a fumble on the 17-yard line inside Vandy's red zone, which was a key play in that game, um, negatively for South Carolina. And North came back and led him, but it was McElwain who, who gave them the two touchdowns that they scored against Mississippi State in the second half on the road. So <clears throat> he has given them a spark, and he gives them a little bit of a different element he, the offense will look different with him in there. He can run the zone read more effectively. He can scramble out of trouble. South Carolina's offensive line struggled for about six of eight quarters, probably. Struggled most of the Mississippi State game. And so having a mobile guy uh, can help in there. And he's going to be all over the place a little bit throwing the ball, as we saw against Mississippi State. But uh, maybe he can settle in a bit. Maybe the staff can give him some safer throws to make. Uh, could could fourth play certainly he could uh, but I think the expectation that, that I have is that McElwain will probably as long as he's playing well get most of the snaps or at least that'll be the plan going in and if he plays well um, maybe Muschamp does say hey you know this is our guy but I think a lot of it depends on how things unfold this weekend Chris what are the chances that Jake Bentley plays at quarterback this week <laughs> you know, that's been probably one of the most popular questions in the land of the Gamecocks lately. And and the answer I've had to give, which is unfortunate, is I just don't know. Um, you know, all indications are that McElwain and North are still the top two guys. Of course, the season's still young, two games heading into the third. Those are the only two guys that have played. And right now appears to be the focal points. But they're still repping three. They still give Bentley some reps in practice, including with the first team at times. And they want to have him ready. And it, it really, his his biggest impediment was just he just arrived later. I mean, Orth had already been on campus. McElwain arrived in January. If Bentley had arrived in January, I mean, who knows? He may be the starter right now. Uh, he was just behind from a knowledge standpoint. Now the other two have actually played in the game, and he hasn't. But he's still, you know, learning. He's still repping. 
Um, you never know with an injury or ineffectiveness what may happen. And the, the good thing about it is, Emerson, they don't have to, you know, make that determination before the first game or, or even now. Uh, they don't have to decide whether or not Bentley plays. They can just keep repping him and, and see how things unfold. If they find a guy uh, this year, if it's McIlwain, if it's Orth, or if they play two at times and still feel good about their production, you know, maybe they redshirt Bentley. But I don't think that determination has been made for sure. Hmm. Uh, I think they probably would, would ideally like to uh, redshirt one freshman quarterback if possible. Um, but you'll just have to we'll just have to wait and see how things unfold there. Yeah, Bentley's kind of the mystery man right now, isn't he? We hear a lot of good things about him, but he's not gotten into yeah. a ball game yet. And I'm wondering if uh, maybe this will be the weekend with the Gamecocks playing at home. It is a non-conference game. Bentley kind of uh, been on the back burner a little bit, but uh, out of sight, but certainly not out of mind. We invite you to download the Gamecock Central Radio app. We have a free phone app that's available on the App Store and on Google Play. You can listen to the Gamecock Central Radio podcast anywhere you receive cell phone service. Again, it's a free app. To subscribe to this podcast, search for Gamecock Central Radio. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other popular services, or just visit radio.gamecockcentral.com. Chris, a couple of areas of concern for the Gamecocks after two ball games has been injuries on the offensive line. Two linemen are down this week. Offensive line play, you could make the argument, has not been as strong as perhaps we thought it would be going into the season. And then Muschamp was critical of the tackling, the, the effort on defense last week in that loss to Mississippi State, particularly the secondary. But the simple fact of the matter is that he doesn't have a lot of options in terms of personnel to turn to to make changes in the secondary. So that group's just going to have to play better. Muschamp talked about that this week. What are the Gamecocks going to do to improve offensive line play and tackling tomorrow against East Carolina? Yeah, those are key questions. And, and look, this offense, I think people are forgetting, um, look, a lot of people are, are thinking, okay, new system, Kurt Roper, you know, some new players, new faces, South Carolina's automatically going to be a lot more productive on offense. And, and you got to remember that there's still a lot of inexperience at the skill positions. I mean, McElwain's playing for the first time, A.J. Turner for the first time. Even Hayden Hurst, who's one of the best offensive players on this team, he didn't play a ton last season. You know, he's just a sophomore. And, uh, you know, they, they felt good about the O-line coming into the season because there was some talent and they felt like they had some depth. But even some of the, the guys who have been around a while, like a DJ Park, who's a fourth-year junior, he hasn't played a lot of significant snaps or started full-time in his career. And Donnell Stanley, same thing. And so now they've been dealt this blow where they're missing two, really two starters because Stanley started the year at right guard as a starter against Vandy and got rolled up on in that game. And then uh, we saw Blake Camper, who actually started against Mississippi State. He went down in that game. And so now you're down two guys who, you know, have started two games. And, uh, you know, you can put D.J. Park in there. It's a good thing for South Carolina that they felt like they had some other guys that could play, but that, that deals a blow to your to your depth. That said, the, the group has to play better. Some of it was just mental mistakes, not getting little things right. Um, which can be the difference in a game. Some some of it was just getting beat individually. Uh, Mississippi State, A.J. Jefferson, he terrorized South Carolina at times on the defensive line. and They gave up a couple sacks and one-on-one situations on third downs in that game that, that were, were poor. Um, so schematically, they're looking at adjusting some things. But the bottom line is they just got to play a little bit better. Uh, they found their stride in that second half against Vanderbilt, and that's what they're going to have to try to return to. As far as the secondary, yeah, not a lot of options. They want to make some changes there, but there aren't a lot of 
guys that they can turn to. Uh, the most glaring one, of course, is going to be at safety because Chaz Elder's out for this game. They already had very, very minimal depth at safety. So you're going to see, you know, Chris Moody, who's been a safety in his career. He'll he shifted back from linebacker. He'll play there. Um, you know, Stephen Montauk could play there, who joined the team in the preseason from junior college. Uh, you could, Jasper Sasser and Tory Boyd played against Mississippi State. You know, are any of those options ideal? No, not right now, uh, but that's that's where they're at. And really, they're going to have to just improve a lot with the open field tackling. They worked on it a lot, and we'll see if it shows through. But Mississippi State, going back and looking at that game, really burned them on some third downs. Um, you know, they, they converted a couple third downs uh, for touchdowns, and they had – or on drives that ended up being touchdowns. And then late in that game, they converted a third and eight, too. Uh, then ended up leading to a field goal drive and really milked the clock when South Carolina was trying to come back. So, you know, getting getting in the right places will be big, but just playing better on third down and tackling in the open field will be a big big challenge and a big key. Chris, wide receiver Debo Samuel, how healthy is he right now? You know, we haven't been given a firm indication um, other than Muschamp said early in the week or after the Mississippi State game that they expected him to play. I, I would think he would. I don't know if he'll be 100%. And I don't know, you know, if he'll play as many snaps to say he did against Vanderbilt. Um, certainly he came back in that Mississippi State game, but it didn't look like he was 100% then. Randricus Davis, the freshman, came in and played some. Terry Guger played some, a veteran on this team. And so I would imagine they'll go that route. You know, I, I, if, I don't have any indication that Samuel's not going to play. Uh, but if they limited him some, then they've got some other guys, some younger guys that they could turn to. You know, Keel Pollard could play more. He's a he's a tight end, but could also line up at receiver. Muschamp said he'll factor in more, and they've got some other freshman options. So, you know, Samuel's a guy that they really need healthy, but we don't have a firm indication as to, you know, what percentage he is right now. Chris, East Carolina's coming in hot. They're 2-0. and They beat NC State last week. That's a big win for their program, North Carolina State being a Power 5 program that's an in-state rival. So East Carolina coming in with confidence, and, you know, they've made a reputation for themselves, haven't they, of beating Power 5 schools in years past. They've beaten Virginia Tech a couple of times. They beat NC State last week, and they've beaten the Gamecocks over the years as well. So this is a program that gets geared up for games like this, and they're coming into Williams-Brice looking to go to 3-0 and tomorrow. Talk about East Carolina, what they do well, and what kind of problems they might present. Well, the, everybody thinks of offense with East Carolina. and Their quarterback, Philip Nelson's a, a guy who transferred from Minnesota, and um, he's been very efficient. He's completed a lot of his passes, and part of that, you know, is a credit to him, but also their offensive system. They make you, like Mississippi State, really, they make you defend the whole field. It's different types of offenses, but there'll be some some similarities in that they're going to spread you out. They can run the ball up the middle. They can run it on the perimeter. They can throw it downfield. They can throw horizontally to the sideline, short routes, crossing patterns. They do a lot of different things, and they throw in play fakes, too, and so – it's just going to be a, a tough matchup. I mean, when you and, and this team has some talent. You know, they've got a good quarterback. Some of their skill position players are legitimate players. They're running back Anthony Scott. Um, they've got two or three receivers that are good. They've got uh, a guy who comes in and plays quarterback and receiver and can really hurt you running the ball and breaking tackles. So South Carolina will definitely have their hands full. Now, watching back the East Carolina-North Carolina State game, I do think ECU is sort of vulnerable on the offensive line. Uh, they, they 
made some things happen there in terms of tackles for loss uh, and pressuring the quarterback at times too. But East Carolina just did a good job of converting some third downs and, and even hitting some plays that looked busted at first. So USC will have to be real disciplined, you know, defensively. You know, it'll be another challenge because until further notice, I mean, South Carolina has to play better up front. ECU will change the fronts up. They'll blitz from different spots. Uh, they've, they've got a player who lines up as an outside backer who can, who can really hurt you knifing inside and, and rushing the passer. So uh, I think there's some vulnerabilities in the secondary, but I thought that with Mississippi State, too, and South Carolina uh, didn't take advantage until later in the game. It, for me, it just comes down to playing better up front. I don't think ECU's as talented as Mississippi State up there, uh, but if they if South Carolina doesn't play better up front, they can still you know have some problems there. Chris, this game is sold out. What are your thoughts on the four o'clock kick? There were so many noon starts last year, one o'clock games. You know, uh, I think the fan base is happy to be playing at four. I don't know if it makes a difference yeah. to the players. I think it does make a bit of a difference to the fans. Muschamp's first home game, first appearance at Williams Bryce for a lot of the players on this team. So important for them to be welcomed warmly, and we're sure that they will be tomorrow. Yeah, no doubt. It should it should be a good crowd. I think, like you said, people sort of tired of the the noon kicks last year but because of the state of where things were that's sort of what ended up unfolding and you're right I mean this will be the first home game for these players a lot of these guys you know you don't really think about it at first um, a lot of these guys Brian Edwards and AJ Turner and Brandon McElwain I mean so many players on this team got their first action or first substantial you know important action on the road two straight home games and maybe that's even a benefit for this team going forward to to sort of be thrown in the fire like that I mean we all saw even playing at Vanderbilt which is far from the most intimidating atmosphere in the conference or in the country even playing there they had some jitters and and, you know part of it's young players maybe part of it's playing away from home Uh, but it'll be interesting to see I do think the crowd will be geared up but uh, I think it'll also depend <laughs> the crowd's sort of performance, quote unquote, will depend on how the game's unfolding too. But I think people are excited to see this team back home after two straight road games. Yeah, it feels like it's been a long season already. The Gamecocks hadn't even played at home yet. So the home opener is tomorrow. Final thought here, Chris, as we wrap up the East Carolina preview. The Pirates opened as a seven-point underdog. The betting public has been on East Carolina this week. That line has dropped to about three and a half points. I looked this morning, and the Gamecocks are favored by three and a half. So early action on the Pirates, Chris. Yeah, and that makes sense. Um, and with that line, I mean, what what you typically say, Emerson, is when you get, uh, you know, the three-point line for the home team, that's thought of as a pretty even matchup. Yep. And remember, Vandy was favored by what it ended up being about three, three and a half points prior to that game. And, and that ended up, at the end of the day, being a pretty evenly mat- matched game, even though South Carolina was the team that ended up taking it by yeah. three. So I think that's accurate. I, I don't, you know, regardless of who wins the game, I don't see it being, you know, a huge advantage in favor of one or the other. I think for South Carolina, this is their most favorable defensive matchup in terms of them being able to move the ball. But it's also a very concerning offensive matchup because they they haven't tackled well defensively and they've gotten out of position some so it should be interesting to watch south carolina opened a seven point favorite they're now three and a half point favorite heading into tomorrow's four o'clock kick at williams bryce fans are encouraged to arrive early we've got a new policy in place as far as what you can bring into the building new safety procedures uh, being implemented this year so please go to gamecocksonline.com read about that or you can read about it on gamecock central as well so looking forward to a packed house tomorrow at williams bryce and chris we appreciate your time 
time today, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, good talking to you, Emerson. Thanks. All right, that's Chris Clark, and I'm Emerson Phillips, and this is Gamecock Central Radio. Thanks for being with us. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.